For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. An incredibly powerful prayer. From an incredibly powerful servant of Jesus Christ, a powerful apostle of Jesus Christ, Paul showed many signs of his direct selection by Jesus as his apostle. Of course, when he first came to Ephesus, within a short time, he was arrested and put in stocks in the darkest part of that cold Roman jail, to no avail, <laughs> in what was an obvious intrusion by the supernatural into the lives of those in Ephesus. God caused an earthquake that opened every cell door, loosened the restraints of every prisoner. And in an obvious demonstration of the supernatural at work in Paul's life, he did not run from the jail and in fact kept every prisoner there. Fun story to read in the book of Acts. Much later, as Paul was working his way back to Jerusalem after his third missionary journey, he stopped for a week in Troas. There he showed one of the more obvious signs of his apostleship. Yeah, he raised a young man from the dead. <laughs> and not long after that, he stopped at a town, a town called Miletus, which is just south of Ephesus, and sent for the leaders, the elders of the church in Ephesus. <laughs> one of the longest discourses of Paul's that we have in the book of Acts records some of that conversation. He speaks to them with great intensity, reviewing how he had worked with them, instructing them in the importance of their care of the church, warning them about false teachers, and telling them that the Spirit has let him know that he will suffer imprisonment and afflictions. And as a result, none of them will see my face again, he said. I'll probably talk with them a few hours and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. We can be certain that everything Paul said and did at this meeting that we just read about was recited many times back home at Ephesus. Very probably, as they introduced this letter, before reading it to everyone there, they, they probably rehearsed this meeting. So when Paul writes, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, they would have immediately contemplated that intensely emotional meeting of some years before. This prayer would mean a great deal to them. Every word would be carefully examined. 
For instance, bow my knees before the Father from whom every family. English is a very technical language. <laughs> According to the people who produce the Oxford Dictionary, when distinct senses for words included, English has about three quarters of a million words. 750,000 words. The point is that sometimes the precision of English can cover up some of the nuances of what Paul was writing. Instead of father and family, the Greek is actually father and every fatherhood. You see, earthly fathers are, if they are living according to their design, an example of our Heavenly Father. My friend and Pastor Ron Hart said it well. It is hard to see God as your father if you didn't see God in your father. I had a great dad. I love him very much. He's with the Lord now. But he's not my real father. I'm not my kid's real father. Biologically, yes. Did I raise them? Yeah, with Becky's help. <laughs> yeah, I did. I'm their dad. But I'm not my kid's real father. All who believe share one father. In one sense, every created being in heaven and earth, Paul said, shares one creator father. To this father, Paul bows his knees and asks that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This prayer is like much of what Everybody back then wrote, but Paul in particular wrote, it's very carefully structured. In this case, we're back to our old friend, the chiasm, if you remember that. The first part ties with the last part, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being is to be filled with all the fullness of God. They, they go together. Later in this very letter, Paul will give them a command, be filled with the Spirit. But before he gets to that command, Paul wants them to understand how we can be filled with the Spirit. And how is that? <laughs> well, the Father grants this to us according to the riches of His glory. We cannot be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. That is to say, to be filled with all the fullness of God, which we agree means to be filled with the Holy Spirit on our own. We can't do it on our own. It is because our true Father is so rich in grace that He grants us this wonderful gift of His Spirit. And what is the result of this wonderful grant of the Spirit from our Father? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, which is clarified in its pair to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. We've said it here a few times. Got to say it again. We will know the love of Christ that goes beyond knowledge only when Christ dwells in our hearts. We will know the love of Christ when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, thus making Christ real in our hearts. Remember, we are talking no in the experiential sense. Demons know that Jesus died for our sins. They know that that love must be real. He came and died on the cross for us. It's got to be real. But in the sense of experience, they do not know this love. For Christ does not dwell in their hearts. 
Paul gives some further explanation. Christ dwells in our hearts that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. <laughs> to have strength to comprehend the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of that love is to be rooted and grounded in love. You know, you wouldn't think it would take strength to comprehend the totality of the love of Christ. Unless you know the love of Christ. Then you begin to understand its magnificence. It is a powerful love. The mere sentimental love that is often erroneously called true love in our society bears little resemblance to the reality. <laughs> All one needs to do is ask, how did Christ demonstrate his love for us? Once, right in this room, right here, I talked to a young man, barely more than a boy, who kept saying Jesus Christ. He wasn't actually referring to our Lord and Savior. So I asked him, why do you keep talking about Jesus? And he looked at me like I wasn't the one quite mentally there. <laughs> what do you mean? You keep saying Jesus Christ. Why do you keep mentioning his name? The shock on his face was humorous, but it was also sad. You mean that's a person? Really, he said that. You mean that's... Yes, and I pointed to the cross. He died for our sins. He died on a cross for our sins. Wait a minute. That's what the cross is for? Yes, Romans killed people on them, and Jesus came to this earth so that he could die on a cross to save you from your sins. Please, listen carefully to this boy's next statement. Wow, I wondered why churches always have crosses on them. We preach the cross of Christ. There is no other way to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ, as Paul asks for these dear saints in this prayer, is to know the power of real, strong, I get to use a phrase from my generation, manly love. <laughs> Not PC anymore, so we don't say it too much. But it's a love that will sacrifice itself for the object of its love. Is this a love we really want? <laughs> a love so powerful that it claims life. Are we willing to let this love claim our lives? That's what we're saying here. You want to know the love of Christ? Well, it doesn't take much. Just everything. It's not that we pay for this love like, you know, like we could ever afford it. But God, in his marvelous grace, gives us his love. But that love is so powerful that if one accepts it, it consumes their life. Wonder if someone believes? Are they a Christian? Does the love of Christ fill them? Has every nook and cranny of their life been inundated with this powerful love? You know, if it hasn't, if, if we don't find ourselves continuously being drawn to Jesus and his love, 
Well, think of a leash on a dog. <laughs> Every moment they stray from the path, he jerks them back. Train them, you know, leash training. When we err, do we feel the tug of that love pull us back? That's a nice way of saying, do we feel guilty? <laughs> if we do, that's a good thing. If we don't, if anyone does not, if this love is not flooding their souls deeper and deeper, and if they die without opening their hearts to this love, then they will be lost to love forever. Ah, but if they do, <laughs> if the floodgates are open and their inner being feels the refreshing flow, they can join us as we join Paul and continue this prayer now to him. Well, he says to him, and then he goes off and talks about him before coming back to, to him. Paul does this a lot. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. This one, this Father who has such a great love for us, is able to do more than what Paul has already asked. He is able to do more than anyone can even think to ask. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Listen to the words of this old commentator, a guy named Clark. We can ask every good of which we have heard, every good which God has promised in his word. And we can think of or imagine goods and blessings beyond all that we have ever read of or see. Yea, we can imagine good things to which it is impossible for us to give a name. We can go beyond the limits of all human descriptions. We can imagine more than even God has specified in his word and can feel no bound to our imagination of good, but impossibility in eternity. And after all, God is able to do more for us than we can ask or think. And his ability here is so necessarily connected with his willingness that the one indisputably implies the other. For of what consequence would it be to tell the church of God that he had power to do so and so if there were not implied an assurance that he will do what his power can and what the soul of man needs to have done. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. According to what power? Well, the power that Paul spoke of back in verse 16, right? He asked that the Father may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Paul explained it earlier somewhat differently to a letter to another church. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forever and ever through Christ Jesus. Amen. The power that we have at work in us is that of the good news of Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit gave to all nations, which would include us, through the prophetic writings that we call the New Testament. The Old Testament is also God's prophetic word, but it doesn't directly reveal the mystery of Christ. This gospel, this good news and preaching of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit 
also brings alive individually to each of us who believe in our inner being. That is to say, we are able to know that these things are true and to know their importance and to apply them through our lives and to our lives all because the Spirit is working with power within each and every believer. He is. <laughs> may look in the mirror like me sometimes and say, really? <laughs> but it's true. He is working in us. Is it then any wonder that of this Father God, Paul says, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. In the church. Let the church give glory to God. Yes, that's true. But understand that the glory of God is revealed in the church. Now and forever. Another old commentator, Barnes, says, there is a richness and amplification of language here which shows that his heart was full of the subject and that it was difficult to find words to express his conceptions. It means in the strongest sense forever. It is, it is one of the apostles' self-invented phrases and Blackwall says that no version can fully express its meaning. It is literally unto all generations of the age of ages or unto all the generations of the eternity of eternities or the eternity of ages. It is the language of a heart full of the love of God and desiring that he might be praised without ceasing forever and ever. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named so that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Of this entire prayer, Clark says, in the notes, I have already observed how hard it is to give any literal translation of the many compound epithets which the apostle uses. Indeed, his own nervous language seems to bend and tremble under the weight of the divine ideas which he endeavors to express. We will never... <laughs> in all eternity, really understand the depth of the love of God for us. Never will we truly grasp the riches of His glory. Nor will our endeavors to express this love and our thanks for it ever reach completion. He is able to do far more than all we ask, than all we can even think to ask. So let us as the church, both give him glory and demonstrate his glory, both now and forever. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted, grounded in love, may have strength 
to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Out of him he is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power at work in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Father, it's only because you tell us to that approach you at all. But as we've already studied, Paul says, we could come to you boldly, right before your throne because of Jesus Christ. And he encouraged those Ephesian believers and through them us to do the same, to boldly approach you. Today we've asked things, we've heard things. We here who live in our comfortable lives got a chance to look out through Isaac and Rachel's eyes to a world that's in turmoil. And the truth is, this whole world's in turmoil. If it isn't seen physically, it's there spiritually. This is not our home. One day you will bring us there. And then we will finally begin to learn to truly praise you. Our efforts here are weak, feeble, we can feel it. But we don't stop praising you. When we fall and you pick us back up the tenth time, the hundredth time, we thank you again. We'll look forward to that day when we will have maybe a little better language than we have now so that we can learn to praise you better. And I know that is an eternal process. Your blessings that you will pour out on us will be eternal. And I praise to you grow forever. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.